This anointed teaching by Dr. Beverly Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Hi family, Dr. Bev here. What an honor it is for me to be able to come and preach to you today. It's a special day and we would like to say Happy Mother's Day. Of course, we're going to honor all the mothers in the house today and those of watching online, but I would like to start off by honoring my mom, Sheila Palmer. Many of you have met her. Of course, she's gone to be with the Lord right now, but do you know that my mom grew up in a home where she was never loved by her mother? She never can remember her mother putting her on her knee and telling her how valuable she was, how clever she was. But you know, despite growing up feeling rejected and unloved throughout her whole entire childhood, she did not allow her past to cloud her future. Neither did she allow it to stop her from being a great, godly, amazing mother. She was the most influential woman in my life. She was my mentor. She was my coach. She was my hero. She was my very best friend. In fact, my mother was a trailblazer. She was among the very first women in South Africa to sell industrial and commercial real estate. She was highly respected and such a successful businesswoman. She always affirmed my brother, my sister, and me. She told us we could achieve anything in life if we just put our trust in the Lord and we worked hard. Of course, as I said, she's gone to glory, but her legacy lives on through my sister and me and now through her grandchildren as well. But let's go ahead and honor all the mothers in the house and watching online. We honor you, moms. We honor all mothers today, whether you've had your own biological children or you've adopted children. Perhaps you're a foster mom or mentor children that you call your own, and we salute you today. And we thank you for your life of selfless love. We know that a mother's work is never done, right, girls? Just listen to this poem. It says, a mother's work is never done. She doesn't have much time for fun. It's difficult to get through it. Only mothers seem to know how to do it. Wake the kids with a smile. Make the breakfast, clean the towel. Pack the lunches, do the dishes. Find the socks and grant the wishes. Bake the cookies, wash the clothes. Tie the shoes and make the bows. Wipe the noses, wash the faces. Stop the fights and check the braces. Make the snacks and change the nappies, call the teachers and pay the pipers, make the beds and sweep the floor, get on the phone and then answer the door, kiss the boo-boos, feed the pet, help with homework and call the vet, laugh at the jokes and guess the riddles, listen to the horns and all the fiddles, pull out the teeth and call the fairy, smile a lot and always be merry, Check for fevers and for pox. Call the doctor and match the socks. Set up carpools, do the shopping. Plan the parties and do the mopping. Not to mention the never-ending laundry basket. How many moms can relate to that? Well, a mother's work is never done. Well, here are some funny things that we've learned from mom. I'm sure your mom has said some of these things as well. Well, my mom taught me religion. 
You better pray that comes out the carpet or off the wall. My mom taught me about time travel. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. Or what about my mom taught me logic? Because I said so, that's why. Or my mom taught me about stamina. You will sit there and eat all your spinach until it is gone. My mom taught me about the weather. This room of yours looks like a tornado went through it. And then my mom taught me about the circle of life. I brought you into this world and I can take you out. <laughs> and my mom taught me about wisdom. Well, when you get to know, when you get to be my age, you will understand. Well, that's a little bit of fun. But how many of us know how Mother's Day was actually started? Do you know it was started during the American Civil War by a woman by the name of Anna Jarvis? She made a huge effort to foster friendships between moms on both sides of the conflict. She started a committee in 1868, which established the first glimmer of today's holiday. It was called Mother's Friendship Day. But it was Anna's daughter who was named after her, who wanted to honor her mother and continue her legacy by creating the official Mother's Day holiday. In 1914, President Woodrow Wilson signed Mother's Day into law. And from then on, all around the world, there is a day set aside to honor moms. What a great idea. And we do honor all mothers today, and we thank God for godly moms. Okay, now we've had some fun. Let's look at four mothers in the Bible, and let's look at the life lessons that we can learn from them, starting with Eve, as she was the first woman, the first mother, right? Genesis 3.20, and Adam named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all people everywhere. So Eve is the mother of all humankind. She was the first woman, first wife, and first mother. She was the only woman without a mother and a father. Of course, she was made by God as a reflection of God's image to be a helper to her husband, Adam. And together, they were meant to fulfill God's purpose by populating the earth and subduing it and multiplying, right? But then Satan came along and he tempted Eve and he got her to doubt the word of God. Remember, God said, you may not eat from the tree of the good and evil. But he said to her, Eve, has God really said that? And he got her to, to doubt God's word. And she somehow forgot all the good things that God had blessed her with in the garden. And although she had shared an up-close and personal relationship with God and her husband, Eve failed to consult, consult either one of them when she was confronted with Satan's seeds of doubt. She acted impulsively and independently of her authority. Once she was entangled in her sin, Eve enjoy, invited her husband to join her, and guess what, family? He did. Now, because of her choices, remember, Apostle Thea has written a book about... Um, the price of a decision, right? The price of a decision. There's always a price to every one of our decisions. Now, because of her 
her choice. She had to face the consequence, and she was expelled from the Garden of Eden. And after they left the garden, there was no indication that God spoke to them anymore on a personal level like he did before. We have no further words from Adam, but we have two further statements from Eve. In Genesis 4 and verse 1, it says, Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. For she said, with the help of the Lord, I've brought forth a man. Eve had not forgotten where she came from, and she had not forgotten God. Now Eve had the real responsibility as a mom, as someone who had personally known the Lord, now she had to pass along her knowledge of God to her children. And that's our responsibility today, isn't it, moms? We have to teach our children the ways of the Lord. And God gives us instruction along with a promise. In Proverbs 22, 6, the Bible says, train a child in the way he or she should go, and when they are old, they will not turn from it. What a great promise that is. And you know, family, in this day and age, where all the lines are blurred, where what's wrong is called right, and what's right is called wrong. But it's what the Word says that matters. It's not about my opinion. It's not about what the culture of today says. It's God's Word is final authority. Our children have to know the Word of God for themselves, don't they? If they're ever going to survive and thrive one day without us. I know Apostle Theo always tells me, Bev, as long as I get the Word into my children, I will know I've done a job well done. Now, the second time we hear from Eve after she'd been expelled out of the garden is in Genesis 4, 25, and then Adam lay with his wife again, and she gave birth to his son and named Seth, saying, God has granted me another child in the place of Abel since Cain killed him. So Eve trusted in the Lord and the goodness of God and proved that God does not fail. She knew even though she failed God, God would never fail her. And the life lesson that we can learn from Eve is that when we make mistakes, God is still a good God. He is a God of second chances. He is a God of love. And when we ask for forgiveness, He forgives us. He's so merciful, isn't He? And He's always there to help us and to restore us just like he did to Eve. He gave her another son. Now, if you trace the family line through the Old and New Testament, we see that Jesus comes through the line of Seth. So what legacy did Eve leave? Was it that she persuaded her husband right out the will of God for, her, for their lives? What influence we have over our husbands, I wonder, Eve definitely changed the course of history for every human being. But the question I want to ask all of us today is, what life lessons or legacies are we going to leave for the next generation to follow? Let's think about that for a second. Okay, our second mother is Sarah, of course. 
Abraham's wife was originally Sarai, remember family, and we know that she was unable to have children, but then God stepped in. Praise the Lord, God stepped in. Genesis 17, 15 says, God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you're uh, to no longer call her Sarai, her name will be Sarah. Verse 16, I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so she will be the mother of nations. Kings and people will come from her. So here, family, we have God calling Sarah the mother of nations, while Eve was the mother of all living human beings. In verse 17, Abraham fell down on his face. He laughed and he said to himself, will a son be born to a man who's 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? Then Genesis 21, 2 says, Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, just like God said, at the very time that God had promised him. And Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me, not at me anymore. Verse 7 says, and she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And you know, when we are believing God for something, I can't uh, think of many harder things to do than to wait, to have patience, patience. However, it is through faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. Unfortunately, one way we often cope with a long wait is to help God get his plan into action, right? I'm sure many of us have tried to help God. And Sarah tried to do God's plan in her own strength. She thought she was too old to have a child. And so from her limited point of view, she felt the only way she could have a child was if she gave Abraham a son through another woman which was common practice in those days, and she had it all figured out. She thought, if I just give my maidservant to Abraham, they can have a child, and I'll raise a child as, as my own. And her, play, her plan seemed harmless enough. But you know what, family? It worked in the beginning, but as we read events that followed, it turned to be a disaster. I wonder how often Sarah must have regretted the day that she tried to fulfill God's plan in her own ability. Instead of trusting God to do it for her and through her. So one life lesson that we can learn from Sarah is we should not rush ahead and try and fulfill God's plan for our lives in our own ability but rather we should trust God to do it for us. And Sarah's life also teaches us, us that when we feel doubtful or afraid, we should remember what God said to Abraham in Genesis 8.14, is anything too hard for the Lord? I love that family. Is anything too hard for the Lord? So whatever you're believing God for, do not lose hope. Do not give up. With God, all things are possible, no matter how difficult the situation might seem at the time. But praise God, nothing is too hard for God. 
Did Sarah leave a legacy? Yes, she did. You'll find her name in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. Abraham is called the father of our faith, and therefore we can say that Sarah is a mother of our faith. Our third mother is an exceptional, extraordinary woman by the name of Hannah. Elkanah was her husband, and he had two wives, Hannah and Penaniah. And honestly, you know what, family? I don't know. The sister-wife story, it didn't work, in my opinion, in the Bible, because there was always drama. And it would definitely not work today. Right, family? None of us women would put up with another wife living in the home. Absolutely no way. But in those days, <laughs> they did. So Hannah and Penna were the two wives. But Penna and I had children, and Hannah had none. And in those days, women who couldn't bear children, they were considered to be sub-female, unable to fulfill their divine purpose on the earth. So in those days, the, the, they felt that you had to have children. That was the will of God. Of course, it's the will of God for us to have children today, but they kind of put such a lot of pressure on the woman in those days to have children. Penina, she kept on provoking and mocking Hannah. I can just imagine her saying, I've got children, you've got no children. My children are playing and you've got no children to play with. And, and so Hannah must have felt very insecure. She must have felt very unworthy. She must have felt like deep personal uh, pain. She's insecure from all the mocking. And many might say that Hannah had a raw deal in life. Do you feel that you've been handed a raw deal in life? But rather than allowing her pain to cause her bitterness and resentment and anger towards God, Hannah used the pain in her heart as motivation to pray. What a huge life lesson right there. We can take our pain and use it as a motivation to pray. And she developed a very deep and intimate relationship with the, with the Lord. And the Bible tells us that Hannah wept much and she prayed to the Lord. 1 Samuel 1, 11 says, And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and forget not your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And she was praying earnestly. And as she was praying, the Eli, the priest, came along and, and he thought she was drunk. And he said, are you drunk? And she said, no, I'm just pouring out my heart before the Lord out of such grief and anguish. So, you know what? When we go before God and we just open our hearts and we tell God how we are feeling, like she said, remember your, your servant's misery and remember me. God will always remember us girls. And so Eli told her to go in peace and said, may the Lord grant you what you have asked for. The Bible tells us that when she got up, she left the temple. She believed that God had heard her. She believed it was a done deal. So guess what? Because she had faith and she believed God, her countenance changed. Instead of being weeping and, and sad, she was now 
happy. She was not anxious anymore. The anxiety had gone. The feeling unworthiness has gone. The insecurity has gone. She wasn't worried anymore. She had great joy in her heart because she believed that God not only heard her, but he answered her prayers. What a great example of a woman of prayer for us to follow. And we have such a reassuring scripture in 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. And family cares about each little individual issue of our lives. He cares about us. John 16, 23 says, and in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Verse 24 says, Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive. What family? That your joy might be full. How many of you believe in God so that you can have full joy? Well, it was not long after that that Hannah fell pregnant and Samuel was born. So when Samuel was about three years of age, she took him to the temple she kept her word, and she gave him back to the, to the Lord. And the Bible tells us that she visited him often. But after Samuel's birth, Hannah actually had six more children. Do you think her joy was full? Do you think she was content? Absolutely. So the life lesson that we can learn from her is that when life doesn't seem to be fair, when it's not easy, what she did was she pressed into God with prayer. And Hannah was known as a woman of prayer. And she teaches us today that prayer is the answer to our problems. Did you hear that? That prayer is the answer to our problems. And she demonstrates that God hears and answers our heart's cry. She also teaches us that children are a gift from God. And we have the privilege to care and to guide them and to train them, but they are on loan to us from God. So what legacy did Hannah leave? Not only was she a woman of prayer, but she was a woman of faith. As she sought the Lord in her darkest hour, in her deepest distress, she realized that only God could answer her questions and provide the perfect solution that she was desperately looking for. And God has not changed. We need to go to God and he will answer us. He'll give us the answers. He has the answers to our life's questions. And during the good, bad, and ugly times of her life, she trusted God with her future. And moms, that's exactly what we need to do also, right? We need to trust the Lord, not only with our children, but trust the Lord with our future. And you say, my future doesn't look very bright. It looks bleak. But you know what? When we believe God, um, he will take care of our future. He'll take care of our homes when we become that woman of prayer. Of course, you've heard my story so many times when my two girls were not in a good place with the Lord. I became that woman of prayer, earnestly seeking God and, and praying and trusting God for their salvation. And you know, family, God heard my prayer and he answered me. Today, my joy is full. I'm content. 
I'm not concerned anymore about their well-being because they are both full of God, they're godly, amazing moms, and really they're ministers in their own right. And I give God all the praise and the honor for that. And what God has done for me and my children, God is going to do for you and your children. If your child is not serving God, I agree with you right now, that child's coming home in Jesus' name, that the Holy Spirit is drawing that child to salvation right now in Jesus' name. And you know, family, it's through prayer we can birth miracles. Do you want a miracle? Pray. God has a destiny for your life. He's a plan and a purpose that's more wonderful than you can ever imagine. And God wants the impossible to be possible for your life. And it can be when we birth our miracles through prayer. And the fourth and final Bible mother I want us to look at today is Mary. Of course, she's the mother of Jesus. And she was a woman whom God chose to change history. She was an ordinary young girl. And I always think if God can use Mary, an ordinary girl, then God can use you and God can use me to fulfill his promises on the earth today. So God chose Mary for one of the most important acts of obedience that he ever demanded of anyone. So Mary is the prototype of a whole new category of woman, a, a woman who says yes to the plan of God for her life. Remember the Gospel of Luke tells us that Gabriel, the angel, visited Mary and he told her, said, Mary, you're highly favored of God and you're going to have a child and you must call him Jesus, and he's going to be the son of the Most High. In Luke 1, 34, it says, And how will this be, Mary asked, since I'm a virgin? And 35 says, The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she was said to be unable to conceive is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. One of my favorite scriptures, nothing is impossible with God. So come on, moms. Come on, girls. It's time for us to dream again. We don't have to be barren without a dream of God in our heart. No, the promises of God's word in our heart can cause us to become pregnant with expectancy. You know, many moms get so caught up today with ev the everyday uh, workload, taking care of the children, seeing to the husbands, just like the poem says, the work of a mom is never done, doing the laundry, cooking, taking the kids to school and back. And we have more working moms today than ever before. So the demands of mom, on moms are overwhelming. And sometimes mothers do so much for others that they neglect themselves. And they put the dream that God has put in their heart, they put it on the back burner. But as we celebrate Mother's Day today, let us stir up the dreams or the gifts that have been lying dormant in our hearts. Let's trust God once again to birth in us His plan and His purposes through our lives. Remember, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship or masterpiece. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
And moms, God has a wonderful plan and purpose just for your life. And of course, that includes taking care of our homes and our children and our family. And for sure, that's a full-time job. However, you might be in a season right now where God is stirring something in your heart. And perhaps God's speaking to you about the book he wants you to write or the picture he wants you to paint or the song he wants you to sing. Or perhaps God's leading you to start your own business. Maybe it's time to do growth track. Maybe you've been putting that off. Maybe it's time to join the dream team or, or start a group at CFC. But God can make you dream again. If we believe God's word and his promises, let's trust the Holy Spirit to lead us into our destiny. Let's not forget, not only did God choose Mary, but Mary chose God for her plan. And that's a wonderful life lesson that we can learn from Mary. She said yes to God's plan for her life. Are we willing to do the same? God has chosen you. He has a destiny for you. But just like Mary, we must choose God's plan for our lives. And after Mary became pregnant, she and Joseph, they, they experienced some serious challenges. Do you remember in the Bible we read that Caesar Augustus, he issued a decree that everyone should be taxed, nothing's changed. And so Mary had to make that 120 trip mile to, on, foot, on foot, and that was going to take about seven days, and then she was going to give her birth. And she was a normal woman, just like you and me. She could have said, oh, why, God? This is so hard. I'm so pregnant. I've got this journey to, to walk, and, and I'll go on the donkey. But still, you know, it's difficult. Did I miss God? My circumstances look so bleak, and it's difficult. And I'm just about to give birth. However, we can safely say, the closer we get, to fulfilling God's promise for our lives. Circumstances will not be perfect, right, family? Usually far from it. And our challenges, no matter what comes against us, whether it's public opinion, what other people say about us, whether it's discouragement, we must not abort our assignment. But let's be encouraged to stay on track with God, stay on the road that leads to our destiny. Mary stayed on the road to Bethlehem, where she gave birth to our Savior. So come on, it's time to get pregnant again. Not necessarily with a child, unless you believe in God for one, but pregnant with a dream that God has put in our hearts. Let us not allow expectations to be shattered or shaken by past experiences, what people say about us. Instead, the dream should come from the Word of God, should come from God when we are in prayer. Let us not allow time to steal our faith. Let us be women of God that keep our eyes on the promises of God. Let's press forward and give birth to God's destiny for our lives. The best present that we can give ourselves today on Mother's Day is to believe that God has a wonderful destiny in store for us. I love Ephesians 3.20, one of my favorite scriptures. It says, now to him who's able. Oh, family, God is able to do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power 
that works within us. So moms, you are unique. You're wonderful. You're one of a kind. You're forgiven. You are loved. You are capable. You are compassionate. You're thoughtful and kind. And I believe extraordinary opportunities are coming your way. I believe that you have the wisdom of God flowing through you to make the best decisions for your life. God is not through with you yet. He has great things in store for you. The best is yet to come. Happy Mother's Day. Well, if you're watching online or you're in the auditorium and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, we would like to give you an opportunity to make sure that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you would like us to pray with you, won't you just bow your head and close your eyes and say this simple prayer with us. Say, Heavenly Father, I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, went to hell in my place, and rose again. And because I believe in him, my name is written in the book of life. If you'd like someone to pray with you, won't just raise your hand and someone will come and pray with you. Well, family, remember Apostle Theo and I love you with all our hearts. We can't wait to see you soon in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.